the 11th edition of the Flushing's Finest podcast starts right now. Little roller up along first, behind the back, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it! Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center, Andrew Jones on the run, this one has a chance, home run! Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. He's fucking out. It has happened. In their 51st season, Johan Santana has thrown the first no-hitter in New York Mets history. Please struck him out. Tears of joy for the 2015 New York Mets. National League Eastern Division champions. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Flushing's Finest Podcast. I am your host, Josh Marlowe, joined once again by Ashton. We're here to break down the Mets sweep of the Oakland A's to kick off the California road trip. We'll look back at all three games over the weekend and, of course, discuss the big news that broke before the game yesterday, which is that the Mets are calling up Brett Beatty, the guy that was their number two prospect, They've already called their number one prospect, Francisco Alvarez, up to the big league squad. And now Brett Beatty will join the Mets tonight starting in L.A. as they take on the Dodgers in a three-game set. But as I mentioned, the Mets did sweep the A's over the weekend. Uh, It's the first uh, series sweep of the year for New York. And it's the third straight series win overall since getting swept by the Brewers. They took... Two of three from Miami, and then they they then took two of three from San Diego in their first homestand of the year. Of course, now they're out west on a ten game West Coast road trip. And we said, look, if if they go five hundred, that would be you know that would be adequate. We wouldn't be upset with that mark. Well, they're already three fifths of the way there because they took three games from an opponent that a team like the Mets should beat and. You know, buddy, we're we're sitting here looking at it today. Even though the last the, the last two games on Saturday and Sunday weren't pretty, the Mets got a series sweep. They're ten and six, and they started off this 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 ten game West Coast uh, road trip the way we all wanted them to. Uh yeah, and you know, I watching those games against the Athletics, we showed signs of the team that we want to be come October and especially in that game that we won 17 to six on Friday. Um, just seeing that all of our guys, I mean, Francisco Lindor drove in a career high seven runs. That's the kind of team that we want to see come October. And we saw some pretty good signs of that over the course of this past weekend. You know, when, when going into Friday night, the Mets were, were taking on an ace team that has the worst starting pitching ERA in the majors. Their combined ERA was something of over nine. And you saw that in, in full fashion on Friday night. You mentioned the 17 to six win. You mentioned the seven RBIs for Francisco Lindor, which was highlighted by a grand slam. The biggest thing was, was that the Mets drew 17 walks and That's they had ridiculous. Yeah, they had two innings where they scored six runs while only manufacturing one hit. Like, you look at the box score, 
The A's actually totaled more hits than the Mets, 13 to 11. But what the Mets did was they they sat up there and they forced the A's to try to throw strikes, and it just didn't happen. And they were patient. They they waited for the pitches that they wanted to get. And when they got the pitches to hit, guys like Lindor did did, did the most with them. This this win also came in a in a start where Kodai Singa only went four and two thirds innings, allowing four runs on seven hits. He did allow two home runs, and that was I, I thought that was was good. Was that in a in a in a game where Singa wasn't at his best? He clearly wasn't the the Singa that we saw in his first start against Miami or his second start against Miami. But he was there to have the offense pick him up, and that's that's been something that has really plagued this Mets team the last couple of years. Is that whenever their pitchers pitched the ball really, really well, there was nothing there to to pick them up, or if they had a bad day, the offense also wasn't there to pick them up. That wasn't the case in this one, as I mentioned. The Mets scored seventeen runs on seventeen uh, after they drew seventeen walks. Um, to 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 set the tone for this a series that they would go on to sweep. Let's now move to Saturday because I thought I thought Saturday, um, had the Mets lost, I was going to be disappointed because what you saw from Carlos Carrasco on Saturday was best case scenario for him moving forward. His velocity is down. There's no denying that he's having a, a really difficult time really lasting long in, in into ball games. And, you know, he went five innings, gave up two runs uh, with three strikeouts to one walk. He lowered his ERA down to 8.56, which, you know, isn't great. But considering it was over 11 entering the, the start, you're really going to take that. And, and, look, I think they're going to have to have a decision to make about Carrasco. Um, once everybody does get back and is, you know, you get you get Verlander back and stuff like that because he definitely just doesn't look like the type of guy that he was a year ago where he won 15 games for the Mets. But you, you know, for the time being, if 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 he can if he can pitch, you know, five runs or five innings of two run ball on a much more consistent basis, I feel like the Mets have to win those starts more often than not. And even though it wasn't pretty, I was glad to see the Mets manufacture a way to win a game where their their, their weakest link in, in their rotation had his best outing of the season so far. I definitely agree. And I was satisfied with Carrasco's outing. Um, he gave up four hits, two earned runs. He only walked one batter, which I think is really good. And then he had three strikeouts. And five innings of two-run ball – isn't that bad, in the, especially considering what he did in his first two starts. So I think, like you said, if he can continue to give us those kinds of outings, I think the Mets have to be satisfied because, like you said, his velocity's down, and let's just face it, I don't think he's going to be half as good in terms of the win-loss column as he was last last year. But as long as the Mets can get, you know, maybe five, ten wins off of him this season, as long as he stays healthy, I think you can be satisfied with that. Yeah, another thing to be satisfied in, in the outing on Saturday, Pete Alonzo stayed hot. He hit his first, or he hit another home run. And then Mark Canna, 
He finally got on the board. He hit his first home run of the season as well. And, and to see to see them get to Trevor May, a former Met and a guy that Anthony said looks like a human Lego, uh, was 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 really just it, it made me smile on the inside. Because when the Mets brought him in a few years ago, there was high expectations for him coming out of the Mets bullpen. And it just never it just never came to fruition, whether it was the pressure of pitching in New York, whether it was his interest in his YouTube vlog or whatever it was, something really hindered him from being the type of guy out of the bullpen that the Mets need him to be or needed him to be during his two years with the team. A troubling thing that did come out of the game on Saturday, though, was the fact that the Mets did leave some more runners on base, and you know that that's just something that that has that that that, that they've got to figure out. They left ten runners on on base on Saturday, so a three-two game could have been a lot more, or, or, or the the margin of victory could have been much more significant had they manufactured runs, and that's something that this team struggled to do. Last year down the stretch is the biggest reason why they didn't win the NL East, and it's a big reason why they didn't get out of the wild card round at home against the Padres. You know, it's it's nice to know that you've got Alonzo and and Lindor guys that are are swinging a big stick right now, and it feels like every time they're they're making contact with the ball, it's either going to be you know a, a home run, a double, no matter what it is. They've got to get more from the other guys, Marte. Um, Nemo, McNeil, and Canna have, have really struggled to start the year. And then the bottom of the order, you know, Vogelbach, Guillaume, Alvarez, it's really hard to ask a lot out of those guys. But, you know, they, they, they just need more production from them moving forward. And, and we'll, we'll, now move, we'll now move to Sunday's game where Sunday's game was, was not pretty. I thought, you know, four different times – the Mets had had lost the game, whether it was just not being able to, to manufacture runs, not making all the plays you need to make in the field. Thank God for Brandon Nimmo, though he made two uh, game-saving catches out there in center field, really justifying the contract that the Mets gave him this offseason as he's proven to become a complete baseball player. You know, Pete Alonso tied the game in the top of the ninth with a solo home run that I still think is is soaring out there in Oakland. I don't think it has landed just yet. And then they were able to to score in extra innings, a wild pitch. They were able to to to, to get a a runner across home plate and then they made defensive plays in in the in the final in, in the bottom of the tenth to to preserve the win and earn the series sweep. When you look at how the Mets were able to win on Sunday where you know you 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 pushed Max Scherzer's start back to Wednesday. You bring Jose Budo up, and, and he did an admirable job. You got great contributions from Jimmy Yacobonis. To me, it felt like a complete team effort, and it's 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 one of the best ways to to win a baseball game where you didn't play your best, you weren't your sharpest, but you know you played as a team, and ultimately the best team on the field won out yesterday, and that happened to be our New York Mets. Yesterday proved a lot about the fight of this team because they could have just said, the heck with it. We're losing this game. We're going to go to Los Angeles with a series win in Oakland and 2-1 and one on the West Coast swing. But they didn't – and thank goodness for Pete Alonso. But they didn't want 
to they wanted a sweep and they got the sweep. And like you said, great team effort. Um, like you said, Butto did a great job pitching. Um, he had he gave up five hits, only one earned run, walked four, struck out two, which I think is a solid outing for a guy like him. So I I really liked what I saw on Sunday, and especially from Brandon Nimmo in the field. Gosh, I don't know where we would be without him right now. But yeah, Sunday was just a great game, team game. Well, the the thing I found interesting was the way that that Buck managed it. You know, it was it was very obvious that they were they were basically saving their their bullpen for this upcoming series against the Dodgers, a, a, a chance for the Mets to to really make a statement to the NL that that they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. But once the game was there for the take, and out comes David Robertson, who plucks his first batter. All of a sudden, they've got runners on first and second, you know. And then what? What you see a whole lot in in in, in extra innings, you see the teams try to bunt the runners over. They 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 bunt down the third baseline. They get the lead out at at, at third, or they get the force out at third. But yet runners still end up at second and third base, and the Mets found a way to preserve a win in a game where, again, they left 16 runners on base. So a, a, another chance for you know them to there was a chance for them to or no, excuse me, they 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 left yeah 16 runners on base. So there was a chance for them to to blow the game open. It didn't happen. Um, but you know, you, you got a contribution from Tommy Pham who hit a home run, um, who, who just continues to do really nice things after a spring that was very uninspiring. Francisco Lindor stayed hot, stayed high, and then of course we mentioned the Pete Alonso home run. And, and Alonso with his home runs over the weekend, he now has eight home runs so far in 2023, tied with Jeff Kent back in 1994 with the most home runs by a New York Met in the first 16 games of the year. And he also has tied Dave Kingman for the most home runs in team history at 154. We mentioned Francisco Lindor's seven RBI night on Friday night. He's second in the NL in, in RBIs behind Matt Olson of the Braves. Uh, Lindor has 16. These two guys last year both produced over 100 RBIs. Um, Alonzo set the, the the club record, and Lindor set the record for most RBIs by a shortstop in franchise history. And it appears through the first, you know, two and a half weeks or so of the season, both of those guys have picked up where they left off last year, which are being dominant forces batting three and fourth in this Mets lineup. And it's just been really fun to watch these guys, um, especially Pete Alonso, because you feel like at this point, every single time he goes up to the plate, he's got a chance to hit a home run, and he does. But And then Lindor, you're feeling really comfortable with runners in scoring position. But we mentioned the runners left on base. The first Saturday, they were one for eight with runners in scoring position. Unacceptable. Tom, or Yesterday, they were even worse, 0 for 6. So that's definitely a concern going into a series against the Dodgers. So I definitely think they need to address that and figure out how to get more runs across the plate. Well, the best way to address that might be in the form of Brett Beatty, who uh, it was announced yesterday afternoon, roughly about three hours or so before 
um, the, the the first pitch between the Mets and the A's that they were going to call up their number two prospect in their farm system. Uh, he is rated the number 19 overall prospect in baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. And you're talking about a guy in AAA that's batting 400. He's hit five home runs along with two doubles. He has an OPS of 1.386. I'm going to repeat that he has an OPS of 1.386. And look, there's no denying that that's against AAA pitching. And there's a reason why... You know the guys that he's 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 rocked are pitching in AAA, and as as opposed to the majors. But there's something to be said for for a guy that is just crushing the ball the way that he he's crushing the ball, and it's just very obvious and very evident that the Mets need that pop in 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 their lineup. You're talking about a guy that can hit for power, but you know with the doubles that that means he can he 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 can't split the outfield as well and do a lot of different things. With him being so young, you would imagine it's going to bring a different energy into the clubhouse. And you've seen the teams that you're trying to overcome in the NL, the Dodgers and the Braves. Those teams have responded to bringing up their forms of Brett Beatty in the past. And hopefully, you know, th- this will be a good sign for the Mets. You know, Billy Epler went and saw him in person and, and saw enough. And you're talking about a guy that has made great strides at becoming an everyday third baseman. Uh, you know, David Wright was down there in spring training this year, working with him at times to become a much more complete defensive third baseman. But, you know, make no mistake, he's being brought up for his bat. And when you see the numbers that he's produced in, in AAA, it's 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 easy to understand why the Mets are you know didn't wait too much longer to bring him up and join the big league squad. Definitely, and four hundred even in AAA is just an outstanding number. And even with what he hit last year, he'd be doing then he'd be doing better than Eduardo Escobar because last year he hit you know one eighty four with uh, I do believe that slugging percentage two forty four. So, I mean. That's way better than what Escobar is doing right now. He's only hitting 125. So you can see why the Mets wanted to bring this guy up, obviously, for his bat. Uh, you might be sacrificing a little bit in the field, but I'm fully prepared to do that if we can get better bats than what Eduardo Escobar is doing right now. The interesting thing was Eduardo Escobar's quote. Um, he deserves everything he's getting right now. Now that he's getting called up, he's put in the work. He deserves to come up here and play and do what he does because he's that good of the play of a player. He's the future of this team. That sounds like a real team guy there for or in terms of Escobar. So he must not be too too mad about Beatty getting called up. Well, I mean, you're talking about a guy that just I mean, he, he understands the reality of the situation when when he grounded into um, a, a inning ending double play yesterday with bases loaded. There was a level of frustration that, that he let out that frankly we haven't seen from him. Even during all of his struggles last year, he was just a guy that, you know, kept putting in the work. And look, I'm not gonna walk back my criticism of, of Eduardo Escobar. You you're 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 a third baseman playing for the New York Mets. You you were a big addition, and look, he was a big part of some of the things they did a year ago. But right now, when you got the payroll that the Mets have, when you've got the 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 manager in Buck Show Walter who has this sense of urgency to win a World Series as a manager, 
you know, I, th this is what happens. But it's nice to see that, you know, Eduardo Escobar is being a team guy. It shows that he is the ultimate professional and why this Mets clubhouse, its culture is so much better under Buck than it was the last couple of years with whether you had Mickey Calloway or Luis Rojas, you know, man managing the team. It's going to be interesting what they do with Escobar. Um, if 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 they keep him on the bench and maybe use him as a as a guy that you know comes off the bench and preserves games, they put him in for his defense in the eighth or ninth inning. Maybe they move him to DH and give him a chance to maybe adapt to a different role or something like that. Because I still think he maybe has a thing or two left to offer this team. But what he said was right. Brett Beatty is 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 the future of this team. You've already seen one of the futures of this team and Francisco Alvarez, who is going through his adaption process to the major league level right now, where he's not really hitting the ball all that great. But, you know, we we do expect that to change. You know, Brett Beatty last year in his first ever MLB game hit a home run on the road against the Braves in a in a in a in a, in a, in a game in a series that was very important as the NL East race was coming down to the wire. You mentioned his line from a year ago where he hit 184, 244, 342, but he you know in 11 games he had two home runs and five RBIs and I look at his addition and say maybe there is going to be some much more added length and depth to this Mets lineup cuz at some point Jeff McNeil's going to hit the ball. He's he, he's as good a contact hitter there is in Major League Baseball. So I, I'm not really worried about Jeff McNeil. But once you get through Nemo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, everybody has questions because Mark Canna has, has gotten off to a slow start. You've obviously seen Eduardo Escobar come off to a slow start. Um, which is why Brett Beatty's getting called up. Daniel Vogelbach has literally no power in his bat. Everything is just soft contact, it feels like. We mentioned Alvarez going through the adaption process, and the hardest thing about this is going to be to temper expectations because it's going to be easy to get caught up in Beatty and, 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 and expect the world out of him. And look, here's the thing. I think he's a good enough baseball player where if he comes out and he lights it up, we're not going to be sitting here overly surprised. But this is a guy coming up to the major league level for just the second time on a team with the highest payroll in baseball and on a team that has legitimate World Series aspirations and expectations. So what are you expecting from Brett Beatty, a guy we expect to see in the Mets lineup in some capacity tonight as they kick off a, a, a three-game set with the Dodgers. Uh, it's kind of hard to say what you expect out of the guy because his his line from last year and what he's batting in AAA early this year kind of clashed. If you kind of look and say, well, let's go with the average of that, it appears to be right around the upper 200s, which – Let's face it, would be great for him. But I just don't think we can expect that. I look for him, let's see, maybe to go around 200. That's that's about my expectations. Maybe get a homer every 10 or so games. But like you said, tempering expectations for Beatty is pretty much what we've got to do at this point. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's going to be hard because this is, this is a fan base that does expect the most and you know we, we we want to win 
a NL East division title. We want to win an NL pennant, and ultimately, we do want to win a World Series. I think 200's a little low. I think if he's batting 200, they'd probably put Eduardo Escobar back in the lineup because of just his experience. So, I mean, if he can bat somewhere north of 250 and add some depth and some pop into this lineup and really continues to prove and really show the improvement he's made as a defensive third baseman, I think that's going to be the thing to to really look out for him. Um, I mean, I just got to say I'm excited. This is the guy that, you know, I – I, of of all of the prospects that the Mets have you know, down in, in Syracuse, Alvarez, and of course, Beatty now up with a big league squad. You still got Mark Vientos and Ronnie Mauricio down there in Syracuse as well. This is the guy that I've, I've been most excited for, mainly because I, I just, you know, I love third baseman. We know how important, uh, you know, that that position is to this franchise as, as they've really tried to find a way to adequately adequately replace David Wright since his career came to an end. And so I, I really hope that that's going to be uh, what what Brett Beatty can do for this team moving forward. Really quickly before we get out of here, I guess I just wanted to, to set the scene for this series uh, starting with the Dodgers tonight out in L.A. where the Mets enter with a two-game better record. The Mets are 10-6. and six. The Dodgers are 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, there will be some some gusto in in our household because our do- our dad is a lifelong Dodger fan. But you know the the pitching probables for this series tonight, the Mets will have David Peterson on the mound with an 0-2 record, a 4.91 ERA. LA is throwing Dustin May, who's one and one, with a 1.47 ERA. Carrot Top has been really great for them to start the year. He's one of my favorite non-Met pitchers to really watch work on the mound. Tuesday night, the Mets are throwing what I like to call their April ace, Tyler McGill, will be on the bump. He's 3-0 this year with a 2.25 ERA against the Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw, who is 2-1 and and a 3.5 ERA. And then Max Scherzer, a guy that, um, you know, he, his start was supposed to be yesterday, uh, Buck Walter said he had, quote, lingering soreness, so they pushed him back to Wednesday. Uh, he'll be on the mound against former Met and then former Dodger villain Noah uh, Syndergaard. He'll be on the mound for Wednesday's game between Max Scherzer. So when you look at the the series, I just laid out the, 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 the pitching probables. We kind of said going out west that we felt like maybe the Mets could get two of three from the Dodgers, knowing that Max Scherzer is going to pitch in this series, are you a lot more confident that the Mets can maybe win their fourth their their, their fourth straight series uh, in 2023? Well, I like our pitching matchups because, like you said, our April ace Tyler McGill is gonna pitch good because it's still April. So the Mets have a chance to get one off of Clayton Kershaw as long as they can hit him. And then I really like the Scherzer-Syndergaard matchup because ever since he's left the Mets, yeah, he's been solid, but he just hasn't been quite up to the level that he was when he was with the Mets. And then the first matchup is the one that I don't really like because Peterson has struggled a little bit out of the gate. But still, I'm still with the expectation that we can get two of three, especially with these pitching matchups, as long as we can hit. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm actually right there with you. I think the hardest 
the hardest one to win will be tonight because Dustin May is really, really good. He's coming off that Tommy John surgery from a year ago. Uh, if he pitches a full season with, with clean health, this guy, I do believe, will factor into the Cy Young conversation at the end of the year. And it's not that I don't like David Peterson. I think David Peterson does, you know, for the most part, what he what you could ask him to do, which is give you four, five, maybe six innings at best. And he usually leaves you in a chance or leaves you with a chance to win the world or not to win to not win the World Series, but to win the game that particular day. Tyler McGill, Clayton Kershaw will be a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's it's always fun when you're going up against a Hall of Famer like Clayton Kershaw. Uh, and if you can go out there and have success hitting him, that only breeds confidence up and down that lineup. And then the the Wednesday the Wednesday game with, with Scherzer and Syndergaard, it's it's going it's going to be interesting to to say the least. I was watching Syndergaard pitch the other night for or against the Cubs for LA, and he just looks weird. And this is a guy that is. Played for an East division rival in the Phillies. He was with the Angels last year as well. But, you know, he 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 earned a lot of respect from Met fans when he threw at Chase Utley back in the summer of 2016. You go back to the 2015 NLDS series uh, in the postseason where Chase Utley took out the the Met shortstop in a, in a, in a, in a, in a slide that effectively ended his career, they come back to New York. Everybody thought there was going to be some sort of commotion, and there was. Cindergaard threw at him. He got ejected. That prompted by my favorite Met manager of all time, Terry Collins, to get ejected. And so he really earned a lot of just love, respect, and admiration from this from, from this fan base. But upon his exit... He had some some choice words for the Mets organization, us fans included, and you know he he it's so it, it's just it's just going to be weird seeing him on the mound pitching against the Mets for a team that he used to be a villain of. But I do look at it and say he's zero two with a five point six three ERA to start the year. Scherzer's coming off his his best start his best outing so far in the young season. I do look at this series and say. With the pitching matchups and stuff like that, I do think the Mets have a chance to take two of three if they manufacture runs outside of hitting the long ball. This team has rounded into a team that you know is going to hit the long ball with Lindor and Alonzo, but you know at some point you've got to start, you know, getting runners across the plate when you've got runners on first and second with one out with 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 contact hitting. And stuff like that. So it's going to be a fun series. This is this will be a, a a potential NLDS or NLCS kind of playoff preview, if you will, early in April. But um, you know, definitely going to be excited to see how the Mets can continue uh, their 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 West Coast trip, where we identified five and five would be an ideal record. They've already got three of those five wins with seven games left to play out in California. So. Um, with that, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. Most notably, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Just search the Flushing's Finest Podcast. We're there. You can rate the pod. You can review the pod. 
But most importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. You've seen an uptick in volume of pods coming out since the season has gotten underway. Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the baseball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do want to thank Ashton once again for joining me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, let's go Mets. <laughs>